Hi, everyone. Welcome to Tell Me Why, where we take a look at the why behind some of the business decisions we make here at American Airlines. I am Caroline Clayton with our global engagement team, and I'm joined by the fabulous Megan Montana, CCMM. I think this is a thing. Uh, Megan is our senior vice president and treasurer is going to talk about something that is definitely in the news today and near and dear to many of us, which is fuel. It's fundamental to us as an airline. Uh, Megan, lots of questions about we updated our guidance this morning, and um, fuel had a, a, a starring role in that. Before we get into that, can you just give us a quick lesson on fuel, some of the terminology you'll be sure. using for those of us who don't live it every day? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. And fuel has definitely been super topical, not only for our guidance update today, but all of the other airlines um, that we bench ourselves against have, have been updating. Um, and the reason why, it's been a significant run-up over the last couple of weeks. Um, if we look back to June, fuel's up about 30%. You probably noticed it when you were fueling your car uh, at the pumps. But let me demystify how we think about fuel. Um, so when we think about fuel, we think about the price of crude oil. Um, the way we think about it is there's um, a benchmark for any type of commodity. Benchmark just means a reference point. Um, you can look at two different reference points, um, WTI, uh, West Texas Intermediate, or, or Brent. We look at Brent, and the reason why is it's a more global picture of the oil uh, supply and demand dynamics. Historically, WTI, West Texas, um, really reflected the domestic supply and demand environment. Um, there was a period of time where we could not send oil outside of the country. And so that didn't give us the full picture of what was happening globally with fuel. American and other airlines have gravitated to looking at Brent. So when you're checking your Apple stocks, start with Brent as, as our benchmark. Um, that right now is about $90 a barrel. Then there's another component, and that's called the crack spread. Historically, we haven't talked about crack spread a lot because it's been um, relatively low. It's been relatively stable. But over the last year or two, it's, it's really been a lot more volatile and more expensive. And what the crack spread is, is the difference between that barrel of crude and what is actually refined and how much we pay for that. So you take crude, you refine it into diesel or jet or different things, and that difference is called the crack spread. So you add our $90 today, Brent, uh, you add the $40 crack spread, oil today right now is $130. And that's a significant increase, and that's what contributed to us having to update our guidance from a fuel cost perspective. That is indeed. Thank you for that. Thanks for the education. So with that in mind, what is going on and why now? What is driving prices up so high? Yeah, so fuel's a commodity. And like all commodities, it's all about the supply and demand dynamic. So let's start with dem demand. That's very easy to understand. As we've seen in all parts of our life and the airline as well, as we've come through COVID, demand has been really robust, particularly in the United States. People are consuming more inclusive of, of fuel. Um, so it's more of a supply story. And what I mean by that is the supply for fuel is constrained. Our inventory levels globally are relatively low. We've actually been dipping into them. And new production has been curtailed. Um, OPEC Plus recently had some news out where they are maintaining uh, production cuts through the rest of the year. And what that means is there's an imbalance. There is more demand for fuel than the current supply environment can handle. And that's what drives up the price. Um, those crack spreads I talked about, those also can move based on various external factors. Um, the planned or unplanned uh, maintenance of refineries, what products the refineries actually decide to turn that barrel of crude into diesel, 
jet um, hurricanes and their impact on the refineries. And so this year with uh, forecasted difficult hurricane season, some unplanned maintenance at the refineries, we've also seen not only the barrel of the underlying fuel go up, we've seen crack spreads go up, unfortunately. I think we would all be better off if we could predict hurricanes and natural disasters sure in our industry and fuel sure as well. We so is this something that, you know, look into your crystal ball, is this something we're going to be facing for three months, six months, is it going to affect us for the long term? I wish I knew. There's so many things that impact that supply and demand imbalance. Um, so my crystal ball is a little fuzzy right now. But what I can tell you is I don't see the demand environment changing. It would take a significant recessionary type of sharp turn, which we're not seeing any indication of, particularly in the U.S. So demand's going to remain strong. And on the supply side, as I mentioned, OPEX cuts are expected to go through the end of the year. So I do think higher fuel prices will be persistent for the balance of this year and probably heading into 2024. Okay. If that's the baseline, what can we do um, as a company, as a team, your, your team, what are we doing to, to help offset some of that? Yeah, no, great question. So um, when it comes to fuel, uh, it is important to note that when fuel is higher, that typically means the economy is doing really well. So longer term, we should have an economic backdrop where demand is strong and we're able to recapture some of this through revenue. That's hard to do when you see a very quick spike. So over time, that should normalize. But from a conservation perspective, consuming less fuel will consume less dollars. And so a couple things we're doing is on the fuel admin team, we're rolling out electronic fueling across the network. And what that means is we'll have a paperless solution to determine how much fuel goes into the airplane. By taking out the manual human aspect of it, we're going to reduce instances where we unknowingly overfuel the airplane. So that's going to save fuel. Um, also near and dear to, to Jill Blixine and our sustainability team's hearts is turning off APUs. So if you're wandering around the airport and an APU doesn't need to be on, turn it off. That will help. And using other tools that we've invested in, things like smart gating. By reducing taxi times, we're reducing the amount of fuel that we consume. So those are all fuel-specific ways that we can try to conserve costs. Um, but everything else we're doing in the airline matters as well. So running a reliable operation is the most efficient way to manage our cost structure. And anything else we could do from an operational efficiency perspective, while it doesn't directly impact the fuel cost line, it helps our overall cost structure, which helps us absorb the higher fuel prices that we think will be persistent for at least a couple quarters. Always important. That's why we talk about chasm and cost every chance we can get because every dollar does make a difference. So thank you for that. I have to ask one more question uh, just because I think if I don't, we'll probably get emails asking this. We do get asked this frequently mm -hmm. at, at Soda and in other forms. Why don't we hedge? Given the volatility, why is that not part of our fuel? Sure. Yeah. So um, you always do get this question when fuel runs up. Yeah. Um, so like I mentioned, um, fuel prices tend to correlate with our revenue. When the economy is good, fuel prices are high, we typically are benefiting from a revenue perspective. So we do think about that as a natural hedge. Um, but from a practical perspective, Hedging is expensive. We are the biggest purchaser of jet fuel in the entire world, bigger than the US government, which sometimes confounds me. Um, so even to put kind of insurance-like positions on would be very expensive, over a billion dollars. And we think that money could be better utilized to near and dear to my heart, pay down debt, but also near and dear to all of our hearts, reinvest in the business and, and do other things than pay for you know pretty expensive insurance. And then from a historical perspective, airlines um, have lost a lot of money on hedges. Uh, when fuel prices rapidly fall and you have those hedge positions on, you have to pay margin calls to the banks to offset 
your lost position in that trade. And those always come at the worst times. They come when fuel falls and our revenue falls and airlines are trying to navigate a whole lot of stuff and having, you know, hedge positions in the mix is, is unhelpful. So we've decided to, um, to not hedge. Most of the U.S. majors have also followed in line. Um, so we're just going to work on recovering revenue over time and finding ways to be more nimble in our cost structure. Sounds smart to me. Thank you for explaining that in such simple terms for all of us. Uh, we, I think we all have guidance from you on what to do. Turn those APUs off now that it's not sweltering outside. Hopefully that will help. <laughs> that should help. And uh, we'll, we'll do everything we can support to support you and the team. To everyone out there, thanks for doing all you are doing. Thanks for tuning in to Tell Me Why. You can watch it or listen to it on JetNet or wherever you listen to your podcast. If you have a topic you want to hear more about, let us know and we'll look into that as well. Megan, thanks very much. Thanks, everyone. Take care.